Welcome to the Stonebridge Community Church online worship service. Today you'll hear the Word of God read, the message from this weekend's in-person service, and two songs to guide you in worship. Thanks for joining us today. So if I haven't met you yet, I am Pastor John, one of the pastors here at Stonebridge. And we're going through this sermon series called Storytime, where we're looking at the parables of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew. And last week, we looked at the parable of the mustard seed. And you may remember that I had a little mustard seed here that I showed you all. You couldn't really see it. And I threw it at the Celtics fan. (laughs) Had I known that seed in one week would grow into a four-leaf Celtic clover right there, I would have done otherwise. So I apologize to everybody here for what I have done. I'm sorry. (laughs) I do. I know. I asked for it. I asked for it. (laughs) Well played. Well played. This week, we're going to be looking at the parable of the sower, not to be confused with the parable of the sour. My last name's Sour. You have two kids, this is what happens, so. I'll be reading Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 through 9, and I invite you to hear the word of God this morning. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. Such great crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat there, while the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, Listen, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell on the path, and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and they sprang up quickly since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. Let anyone with ears listen. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God, and please join me in prayer. Lord, thousands of years ago, you stood there in that boat, teaching the crowd who was on the beach. You stood there telling them these stories, these parables, that they might see your kingdom more clearly that they might understand how your kingdom was breaking into this world, that they might understand all that you were doing in their lives and throughout creation. We know that not everyone was able to understand. We know that these stories and your kingdom, they're difficult to understand. But we know that through your Holy Spirit, through your guidance, through your teaching, we can get a glimpse of your work. So this morning, we ask that you teach us through this story, through this parable, that you would give us a glimpse of your kingdom and how we fit into it, Lord. Open up our eyes, open up our hearts, illuminate your scriptures that we might understand. Give us ears to listen, Lord. We ask this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So last week, when we began this sermon series focused on the parable of the mustard seed, one of the things that I focused on, that I tried to really get across, is that these parables, they can be difficult to understand. And this parable is actually a good example of that. On the surface, it seems pretty simple. Jesus tells a story of a sower who takes some seed and scatters it 
and it falls on four different locations. Some falls on the path, some fall on the rocks, some fall in the thorns, and some fall on good soil. And depending on where they all fall, the seeds, there's a different response. At one level, it does seem like a very simple story. But the word parable, remember, it's a Greek word that means to throw alongside. So what exactly is Jesus throwing this parable alongside? Well, we wouldn't be the first to wonder that. If you go back and look at where this parable shows up, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all three of the Gospels where this parable shows up, Jesus has to provide further explanation for this parable. The people who were there walking with him, closest with him, they said, Jesus, what in the world are you talking about? So there's that level of misunderstanding that Jesus has to clarify it in the moment in the story of the Gospels. But all three of the gospel writers also said, if we don't provide some sort of explanation for this in our gospels, no one's going to understand it. So all three gospel writers made sure to have the explanation there. They have slight little changes and differences. But Jesus does provide an explanation there because this parable was hard to understand. What exactly is Jesus throwing this story of the seeds and the soil and the ground and the sower alongside well, in his explanation, I think he makes it a little bit clearer for us. It's not a perfect explanation, I'll be honest with you, but it is one that can give us a little bit about what he's talking about. This is in Matthew 13, 18. Jesus begins to say this. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in the heart. This is what was sown on the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet such a person has no root, but endures only for a while. And when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, that person immediately falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the lure of wealth choke the word and it yields nothing. But as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. Jesus is taking this parable of the sower and throwing it alongside us. Throwing it alongside people who would hear the word that he was proclaiming who would hear the word of God. He's making it clear that the word of God goes out there, but there's going to be different responses, different reactions. Some people just will not understand it. Some people will enthusiastically embrace it, but they'll have no root and they'll fade away. Other people will think that they've embraced it, but in reality, they're being embraced by the thorns, the lure of wealth and power and security. And others, they'll hear the word of God and they'll understand it and they will bear fruit. In the parable, Jesus talks about grain, but here in his explanation, he talks about fruit. Jesus is helping his people, the people that will become the church, understand that there will be different responses, different reactions to the word of God proclaimed, to the word of the kingdom of heaven that he is throwing out into the world. Different people will respond in different ways. So Jesus' explanation, it does take us 
a little bit deeper into understanding what he's talking about. But it also raises other questions for us. It doesn't really explain it perfectly. The parable on its own and Jesus' explanation on its own, I think one of the main questions that it raises is, which one do I fit in? Which one do you fit in? How do you know which category you are? Which type of soil are you? Now, initially, you might right away have identified with one of those four categories. But I think this parable can oftentimes fall into a trap that, in my opinion, things like personality tests fall into. It may sound like that doesn't connect at all, but bear with me and just know, if you ever want to make our staff here at Stonebridge upset, do what I did and tell them that you think personality tests are largely a grift that people are making money off of, and they will be upset. Some of you may be upset that I said that too. But here's my thing with personality tests. Personality tests, the Myers-Briggs, the Enneagram, all of that stuff. It doesn't, in my opinion, actually measure your personality. It measures your perception of your personality because it relies on you answering a series of questions to the best of your knowledge about yourself. But what if in some areas in your life, you don't have deep self-awareness? What if in some areas of your life, there's aspects that you're not able to see for whatever reason? I know that when we're talking about this parable and I ask you which one of these categories that Jesus talks about do you identify with, some of you thought, I'm the one bearing fruit. And maybe you are. Or maybe you don't have self-awareness to really see how your actions are affecting other people. Others of you may have thought, that you're the one with the weak faith, the one that sprouts up quickly, but your faith feels weak. And you don't feel strong in it. You have doubts. You have things that you're not sure about, that you're uncertain of. And because of that, you feel like you might not have the strongest faith of the people in here. And, and you think your faith, that you're following of Jesus, it's going to wither and fall away. But in reality, you don't see the ways that you love others. You don't see the effects and the impacts that your actions and your words have had on others to lift them up, to build them up. You're trapped in some negative thinking, comparing yourself to others. I think one of the more dangerous ones with this parable here and trying to understand it is, how do you know when you're caught amongst the thorns or you're bearing fruit? It's easy to talk about a phrase like bearing fruit and we bring whatever positive ideas in our minds to that idea of bearing fruit. But so many people are caught up in wealth, in power, in security, in protecting themselves, in their ideologies, that in reality, they're not really bearing fruit. They're trapped amongst the thorns there. So this parable, like personality tests, if it's left on its own, it requires a pretty high level of self-awareness and self-reflection and constant looking at how we affect others. But even then, if we don't have those skills, it can be hard to know which category you actually fall into. When I read the parable in Jesus' explanation, it really makes me wish that Jesus would have done something like give a long, extensive speech about certain behaviors that would be the signs of bearing fruit. It makes me wish that Jesus would have given us some sort of objective standard that doesn't just rest on our perceptions and our self-reflection and tied this parable clearly with that standard. 
But, oh, well, he didn't, so we got to go home now. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. He obviously did. Remember, this is the gospel of Matthew. These are the parables in Matthew. And Jesus connects everything in Matthew back to the Sermon on the Mount. The chapters 5 through 7 that we just spent months studying. Once that speech is given, pretty much everything else in the gospel of Matthew comes back to the Sermon on the Mount. And this parable is no exception. Remember I said that Jesus changes the parable to, um, from, from grain in the parable. That's what the seeds yield there. And then he talks about bearing fruit in his explanation. That idea of bearing fruit. We can bring things to it ourselves. We can import our own ideas into that idea. But Jesus actually gives us a clear definition of what bearing fruit is. If you go and you read the Sermon on the Mount, and you get to the conclusion of it, in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus brings up the idea of bearing fruit. He says that you will know them by the fruit that they bear. A good tree does not bear bad fruit. A bad tree does not bear good fruit. He takes all of this teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, all of these instructions about how to live life, and he connects it to bearing fruit. In Jesus' mind, in the Gospel of Matthew, bearing fruit is living out the Sermon on the Mount. So in the parable of the sower, if you want to know if you're the good soil, if you want to know if you're the one bearing fruit, there's actually a very simple test you can do that doesn't rely on your own perception entirely. Look at the Sermon on the Mount. Look at the way of life Jesus talks about. And then look at your own concrete behaviors and actions. Place the Sermon on the Mount alongside your own life and ask how much overlap is there. In the Sermon on the Mount, we learn all sorts of things about how we're supposed to interact with other people, how we're supposed to treat others, what we're supposed to do. We learn that followers of Jesus, bearing fruit for them means letting your yes be yes and your no, no. That your words matching reality is bearing fruit, being honest, being truthful. We learn in the Sermon on the Mount, do not judge because God is the ultimate judge. We learn in the Sermon on the Mount to love your neighbor but even deeper than that, to love your enemy. If you want to know if you're the good soil in the parable of the sower, are you loving your enemies? Are you actively seeking to love the people that you can't stand, that you despise, the people that you think are persecuting you? Are you praying for them? Are you trying to bless them in the way Jesus calls us to? Are you a peacemaker? This morning, I feel like I am because I'm not being mean to you guys here. <laughs> but in real ways, are you a peacemaker? Are you somebody who is trying to pull people together, to bind them together? Are you poor in spirit? Or do you elevate yourself at every chance you get? The Sermon on the Mount lays out pretty clearly what bearing fruit actually looks like according to Jesus. So you don't have to sit there and rely on your own impressions, rely on your own ideas, rely on whatever definition of bearing fruit you might have made up for yourself or culture might have made up for you. You can look at your own life. You can look at the way you actually treat people, the words you say to people, the effects, and say, does this reflect the Sermon on the Mount? 
You can look at the leaders you follow, the politicians you support, and say, does their behavior, does the way they treat people reflect the Sermon on the Mount? You can look at every aspect of your life and hold it up to the Sermon on the Mount, and that is the best way of knowing which of the four categories you fall in. But I think this then raises another question for us. Because at least a few of us here, if we're being honest, we're looking at our lives and we're saying, it's really hard to live up to the Sermon on the Mount. And it is. And some of us, I'm sure, are looking at this saying, no, I'm not living out the Sermon on the Mount. The things I support, the people I support, aren't lined up with Jesus's way of living life, the idea of bearing fruit that Jesus gives us. I'm not loving my enemy. I'm not praying for those who persecute me. So the question then is, can you change? Can you make changes? Your response to that question right now, it's probably strong one way or the other. You see, some people would respond to this parable and respond to this question saying, of course people can change. Of course you can change. But this parable has actually been used to argue a number of times throughout the church's history that you don't actually get to change. You either are good soil or you're not. When you look at the world of the parable, not Jesus' explanation really, but the, the parable itself, you can realize how people would get there to say, no, you're either one or the other and you don't get to change it because the good soil doesn't become the thorns. The thorns don't become the path. The path doesn't become the rocks. The seeds are completely passive. The sower just throws them out there and wherever they land, that determines what happens. But there's no real change when you look at this parable closely. So a lot of people have looked at this parable and said, this is just saying Jesus is in control of it all. You don't actually get to change. I'm not going to weigh in on whether people are right or wrong. I'm going to say a couple of things on that though. One is you can't read too deeply and too specifically into a parable like that. This is a story. It's meant to give us one aspect of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. So remember that we don't get to see it from God's perspective. And in our world, somebody may look like they're the thorns, but in reality, they could just be the good soil getting ready to grow. We don't know what God is going to do in somebody's life. We don't know the kinds of changes that God is making. And somebody may appear to be in one category to us, but they can break out of that category because the point is that God is the one who sows. God is the one who grows. So any judgments that we have about anybody, including ourselves, saying that we are in one category and we're never going to change, hold that very, very loosely. You have a limited perspective, even on yourself, and be open to the fact that you might not be able to change, but God may be able to change. And God may have been doing something in your life that you're not even aware of. So don't hold too hard and fast to your own judgments. Remember, Jesus says, do not judge as bearing fruit. That includes you with yourself and with others. But the other thing with this parable that I would say, if you're wondering if you can change or not, and if you can start to bear fruit in the way Jesus talks about, the sower is the one who is the most active in this parable. The sower is the one who is throwing the seed out, who is scattering it. This parable pushes us to trust that the sower knows what he is doing. The sower is Jesus. 
Jesus is the one who threw out the word of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is the one who threw out the word of God to all sorts of different people. And we have to trust that the sower knows what he is doing. So, if you want to bear fruit, if you look at Jesus' life and you lift Jesus up as Lord and you want to do the things that he says, trust in his character. Look to the sower first. Don't ask the question, can I change? Ask the question, can God change me? And place your trust in the sower. I invite you now to pray with me. Lord, we come before you wanting to hear your word and wanting to respond to your word as the good soil does. We want to follow you. We want to bear fruit. But it's so easy for us to not grasp what bearing fruit as you describe it actually looks like. It's so easy for us to take ideas from culture, ideas from various leaders and and sources and movies and music and books and concepts, Lord, that aren't rooted in your idea in the Sermon on the Mount of what bearing fruit is. But help us to trust in you, to look to you, to look to your character. And for any of us who feel like we fall short, that we aren't bearing fruit, Lord, help us to have grace with ourselves. Help us to trust in your grace, to trust in your judgment, to trust in your character. To know that when you scatter the seed, you know what you are doing. So help us to set aside our own judgments of ourselves and others and to trust that you have called us to bear fruit. And because of your call, we can do so, Lord. And as we move to take offering right now as well, help this offering to bear fruit as well. Help us to make good decisions with the gifts that are given here as a church so that others might understand your kingdom, might learn to trust in you. Bless this offering that it might bear fruit as well. We thank you. We praise you. It's in your name we pray.
still Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal No earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal